Minehead Baptist Church Sermon Podcast for Sunday the 14th of August 2022. Hello and welcome, thank you once again for joining me. My name's James and I'm the web guy here at NBC. This week Paul continued our series looking at Seaside Rock with Peter Walks on Water. The reading is Matthew chapter 14 verses 22 to 36. So we'll go and join Paul as he's introducing the service. Good morning everyone. Good morning everyone and welcome. Good morning. Good morning and welcome to Minehead Baptist Church. Welcome if this is your first time here. Welcome if you are, well the expression might be part of the furniture, but you know what I mean. Welcome if you've been here hundreds and thousands of times. Wherever you are, however you've come, however many times you've come, you're among family and you are very, very welcome. Welcome to Minehead Baptist Church Church family this morning. Our notices for the month are contained on the notice sheet that you can pick up if you've not got one at the entrances and the exits as you leave. Just to remind you, hello, I've gone all loud. Just to remind you, um, there is, oh, for every Sunday in uh, August, there is church at four. So if you wanted a gentler, quieter expression of church, you'd be really welcome to come for a church at four service and that includes this afternoon where Steve will be leading us so come along and just take some time however there is no cafe church this month okay so just to let you know there's no cafe church at the hub this month uh, just for August we're back as they say in September and talking about what else there's not many of us would normally gather after the service for a picnic We'd have our picnic in Blenheim Gardens. But this weekend, there is party in the park between 11 and 5. And, and it's just the way it is. But I have to say, where we normally gather to have a picnic, so that's where the stalls are. So if you want to go and enjoy the party in the park, feel free. But we won't be gathering as we normally would for a picnic this week. And there are other places in the park you can go and have some shade and spend some time. Please feel free to enjoy that. But there's no church picnic in the park it's amazing to gather amongst God's people it's amazing to come to worship and to be led in worship by by Roy and his group this is my 30 second warning Roy is that all right (laughs) you can tell can't you you're among family and if you want to know how you're among family things don't necessarily always run smoothly but the reality is we get there together and as far as I know in scripture, God to- calls us to worship us, worship him rather, in spirit and in truth. And the truth is about my family, if it's not the truth of yours, that sometimes my family, well, sometimes we can be wonderful, and there are other times when we're not so grand. There are times when actually we seem as if we fit together, and times when we don't. There are times when things happen automatically, and times when we have to plan things. But no matter what, we're still family. And so it's really good to welcome you this morning. Roy, over to you. Thank you, Paul. Good morning to you all. Warmest greetings to you. <laughs> Has anybody, um, anybody been to Jerusalem? Oh, amazing. Quite a lot of you. Right. Well, those who have been to Jerusalem and those who haven't, What I would like you to do is to close your eyes now, just for about 30 seconds. You're going to be in Jerusalem. Steve? Shipmates, how are you? Oh, I don't think you're very good. I'm going to ask you again. Good morning, shipmates. How are you? Did, did you see him? Did you see him? My friend Peter, there he was, shouting, trying to tell me not to forget to tell you this story that he told me. God, 
dear, he's so impatient, Peter. He wants to do everything today. Do you know, I often think, if he could, he'd jump in with both feet. Hold on. Talking of jumping in in both feet, it reminds me of a story that Peter once told me. It's a story, well, well, two stories, really. Both of them involve a boat. Hold on, we have a boat, the Simon Peter. There she is, the Simon Peter. A beauty, isn't she? An absolute beauty. I'm in the boat. <laughs> An absolute beauty. I, I, I would love to tell you the story, but, but I can't really. Uh, Lorraine, I need some shipmates to help me tell the story, some volunteers. Come on then, who's going to be brave? William, you're going to come up today. Any of you lot, you know us by now. Come on, come up and help. Will you come up and help us? Oh, wow. Come on up. Oh, we got shipmates we got or us. Shipmates. Any more? Well, we got shipmates or us. Shipmates enough, oh, I said. Enough. Okay. okay, shipmates, you can hold on to oh, the boat for a moment for me. I'm going to go behind William and there'll be some rows in a moment. I'm going to move over here and annoy the cameraman. I mean, sorry. <laughs> okay, I'm going to tell you a story. Well, the first of two, really. Peter told me that after one particularly busy day, Jesus wanted to be alone with God his Father. And so he told his disciples to get, go into a boat and go ahead of him because they were heading to the opposite side of the lake. And so off they set. At first, don't anticipate the story, at first the weather was good. But after a while... They were some distance from the shore and the waves were hitting the side of the boat and making it a little, little, a little bit rough. So much so that these weathered fishermen were having to pay attention. It was just before dawn that made something happen that made them stand there open-mouthed. Open-mouthed? Oh, we got some... I've got to tell you, today here, thank you... Today, Minehead Baptist Church, tomorrow the Oscars, not a problem. (laughs) Something made them stand there open-mouthed, and what that was, was it was Jesus. He was walking towards them on water, actually walking on water, on water. (laughs) To be honest, they were afraid. Uh, Be afraid. Be very afraid. (laughs) Maybe it was a ghost, so they cried out in fear. Can you do fear? Can you do fearful? Well done. Don't be afraid, Jesus says. Take courage, it's me. And, and my friend Peter, do you, are we need to do one of baby William could be Peter. My friend Peter said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Jesus simply said, Come. Oh, we need some water. Oh, we do need water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got out of the boat, out you get Jamie, walked on water and came towards Jesus. All was fine until Peter suddenly saw the wind and the waves and he was afraid. Can you do afraid, Jamie? (laughs) And he began to sink. He cried, Lord, save me. You'd think the adults would know the story, wouldn't you? (laughs) He cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out a hand and saved him and pulled him back into the boat. Well done, ladies. You were amazing. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Jesus said to Peter and the rest of the disciples, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Well, they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And those that were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. But, you know, that wasn't the only time that the disciples were in a boat with Jesus. There was another story where it wasn't the disciples that got in the boat first, but Jesus got in the boat first, and the disciples followed him. 
And without warning, as they started out on the lake, a furious storm came up. It was really stormy. No, stormier than that, people. <laughs> Not that stormy. <laughs> it was stormy, and the wind blew, and the wind blew, and the wind blew, and the wind yellow, and the wind blew. Oh. <laughs> Come on, I work hard on these jokes. And the boat started to rock violently. We've got wind now. So furious was the storm that all sorts of things started to fly into the boat. What sorts of things? Well, things like seaweed. Okay. <laughs> what about fish? <laughs> well, well, actually, Rain, I, I was thinking more about the waves and the water crashing against the boat. Water, yeah. No, 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 no. More than that, I think. More than that, yeah. No, 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 no. hold on, no, 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 no. It, I mean, it really came into the boat. <laughs> Where, where's she going? What's happening? Anyone know? What's going on? Oh, hello. I think that will do. Oh, yeah, health and safety. Sorry. We must observe health and safety rules. <laughs> that bucket is really heavy, isn't it? I'm, Lorraine, I mean, lots of water came into the boat. Ready? With all of the disciples looking scared. No, look really scared. Pretend you've got to listen to one of Paul's sermons. <laughs> Thank you. And they all thought they were going to drown. Amazingly. But, but where was Jesus? Jesus was asleep. And, and my friend Peter tells me that the disciples were really, really, really worried. So they went and woke him and they said, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. Everyone looked really afraid. That's probably how the disciples looked, or near enough. Yeah, well done. Jesus replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then scripture tells us he got up and he rebuked the wind and the waves. And all of us are going to be... Well, all of us are going to act that out now is that okay so after three everyone yell with me stop and hopefully the wind will hopefully stop to stop the wind stops the wave stop and the boat stops ready after three everyone one two three stop and it was completely calm because that's what jesus had told the storm to do he told it to stop and now everyone could take a deep breath. So in with me, and out. And all the disciples, including my friend Peter, were amazed. They were surprised, really, that Jesus could tell the storm what to do, and it just did it. And they asked, what kind of man is this, that even the waves and the wind obey him? Well, my friend Peter told me that walking on water was easy. All the time he kept his eyes fixed on Jesus and being in a boat was really scary when the waves crashed against it and the wind was strong and you wondered if you could stand up. And if you didn't concentrate on Jesus and remember that he was with you at all times, being in a boat in the storm on a lake was worrying. Peter would often say that those two stories of the storms were things he'd remembered many, perhaps more than anything else, about Jesus. And they were precious to him, a little bit like treasure. Now, now, that reminds me of a time when Peter told me, no, 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 wait, that's a story for another day and another time. Can I finally invite everyone in the church to thank my amazing crewmates?
and to do, more, to do more things, to ask Roy to lead us in some worship. And Hilary, wherever you are, to apologise for the clearing up. Well, thank you, Paul. Thank you very much. And Lorraine, have a well-earned rest. There's only one song we can sing. Uh, any, any ideas? No, no, no. Close, close, but no, it's you. That's the one. You call me out upon the waters. So let's stand and sing. come now to a time of prayer. So shall we pray? Father, we thank you for this gathering, this church, this time to come together and worship you. Father, we thank you for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Father, we thank you for those here. We thank you for those all around the world. Father, that you have made us into one body, your church. Father, we come this morning and pray to you. Father, we think of those in our church and our community who are in need of our prayers. Those who are in hospital, Lord, we pray for healing. We pray for guidance for those treated. Father, we pray that they would know your hand, know your safety, your security, your love. Father, we pray for those as well who have other causes for, that need our prayer. Father, we know them ourselves and we lift them up to you. Father, we pray that you would be at work. You would be at work in the situations before you. Father, in the situations we know about, the situations we don't, but you, you do. Father, be a presence. Be a light to those who don't know you. Father, we pray for rain, Lord. Father, not a prayer we probably often make. But Father, we pray that the land that is so dry would become what it's meant to be. Father, pour out water on us, we pray. And Father, we pray for our country as a whole, Lord, as we face rising costs. Father, we pray for guidance, wisdom for our leaders. Father, that they would know what steps to take, what actions to take. And Father, we pray for those who are struggling already financially. Father, might you be there. Father, might they know you, know your presence. Father, we pray for our world. We pray again, Lord, for the war in Ukraine that seems to drag on and on. Father, we pray that peace would come. That the world would know, see you in action. Your peace that transcends all else would come onto that country, onto both countries, Lord. We pray, Lord, for the world as a whole, as prices as a whole continue to rise. Father, we pray for wisdom. We 
pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today's reading is taken from Matthew 14. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they cried. And they cried out in fear. Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It's I, don't be afraid. Lord, If it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately. Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you're the Son of God. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak. And all who touched him were healed. That story, of course, is the story of Peter and Jesus walking on the water. But we also, in Matthew chapter 8, find a different account of a story of a storm and Jesus. Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 says, Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, you have little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this, that even the wind and the waves obey him? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for his word. It's an amazing question, isn't it? And a really valid one, I would say. If you put me or you in that boat during the storms that we've just read about, maybe we would have asked the same questions. And certainly the question that we've just read from Matthew's Gospel of Jesus calm in the storm. And it must have been a fearsome storm because the disciples included some fishermen. And they're not easily worried about storms. They know where to go when to go, and what storms are like. Yet this storm was an exception. It had raised fear in them. And in that moment, when you're terrified, what's Jesus doing? He's sleeping. He doesn't seem to worry or care. But more than that, the moment you wake him up, he calms the wind and the waves. It's a valid question. Who is this man? Who is Jesus? 
But to understand why they asked the question, we need to dig a bit deeper into some scripture. One commentator on this passage, Matthew 8, puts it like this. Hebrews are landlubbers. What does that mean? He says they didn't enjoy the sea. If you can call the Sea of Galilee a sea. Why? Because he says to, to a Jew, the sea represents the forces, or represented, sorry, the forces of chaos in heaven. Which sounds a strange phrase until you ally it with Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. Being on the lake, particularly when fishing wasn't involved, would have been something that most of the Jews of the time wouldn't have automatically chosen to do. Why? Why did they see this as being something to do with chaos? Well, to understand that, we need to go back to the very beginning of Scripture itself. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 say this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. It is out of the sea that God builds in the creation story the firmament of the earth. God created order out of chaos, and the sea represented the chaos. Indeed, you see that in the Psalms. Psalm 65, verses 5 to 8 say this. You answer us with awesome and righteous deeds, God our Saviour, the hope of all, your, all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas, who form the mountains by your power, having armed yourself with strength, who stilled the roaring of the seas, the roaring of the waves and the tumult of the nation. The whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders, where morning dawns, where evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. In reality, what that means is this. Only God can exercise the power over the sea. And these disciples are in the boat and Jesus exercises God's power over the forces of nature when the boat is buffeted. Who is this man is the question born out of the fact that Jesus is demonstrating he's God. He's done what only God can do. He literally calms the forces of chaos. The fishermen knew that those three storms on the lake could be fatal. And you go, well, we've only got the English Channel, Bristol Channel. Is that what it actually is? Sorry, guys the other side of Minehead Beach. We don't go facing these storms so much. We're not likely to be out in the midst of a storm on a lake. So what on earth has the storm got to do with the Church of Jesus Christ? Let me tell you that those frequent schools, squalls and storms can also beset the ship that is the church. They may not be literal storms, but they are storms nonetheless. They are times when we disagree with each other, or we bicker, or we gossip, or we deny, or we put each other down. They are times when we are not acting as Jesus would. When we are bringing chaos into the church. And Matthew tells us that the antidote to that is for you and I to trust the power of Jesus Christ in the storms of our lives. And to give it all to him. If there's anything here this morning that is against the glory and the might and the majesty of God, anything that any one of us holds against any other, may Jesus, may Jesus make calm and peace out of the chaos of that situation. And then as you hold that story, and we look at how Jesus and Peter walked on the water, surely we see there another story of how Jesus exercises the power that only God can use. How he calms the forces of chaos. And it leads to a very simple question. Do you and I, will we dare let Jesus calm the chaos that's in our own lives? Let him guide us? Let him lead us? 
Or do we do like Peter did and simply lift our eyes away from him? I don't know about you, but Peter walking on water is one of my favorite stories in Scripture. Anyone else agree? Some. I'll tell you why it's one of my favorite stories. You see, I, in Peter, when I read his story throughout Scripture, I see someone like me. Let's see if you agree. Peter, boisterous Peter, passionate Peter, someone prone to open his mouth before he engages his thoughts. Okay, you agree, that's fine. (laughs) Someone who's rash can do the wrong thing, may maybe have the right heart, but not necessarily do the right thing in the right order. Someone who just wants to do what the Lord wants him to do, and he gets it as much wrong as he gets it right. That's who I see in Peter. And I love it because I can see myself reflected there. See, I got one thing wrong already this morning. Did you know that? I even wrote it on my special notepad. But I forgot to say it at the beginning of the service, even though I was asked very nicely to do so. So I'm going to, ref- I'm going to actually put right what I got wrong now. Happy birthday, Amanda. <laughs> See, there you go. I'm prone to getting things wrong. There's your evidence. Please forgive me. Is that all right? Both for mentioning it and for not mentioning it, if you see what I mean. I love the story. Because if Peter can walk on water and he's just like me, there's no reason I can't. And bluntly, there's no reason you can't either. And so someone asked me this morning, Paul, was there going to be a video of me walking on water? Truth to tell... No. I'll tell you why. Because if I tried to literally walk on water, it'd have to be some sort of trick. But more particularly, because we're all going to walk on water this morning, not just me. I would love, Lord, let it be that by the time we're finished here this morning, everyone in this church has walked on water. What sort of a Sunday would that be then? Hallelujah, have your way among us. And Peter, impetuous Peter, weathered fisherman Peter, when he stops thinking about what is possible with Jesus and he starts thinking about what he knows, then he starts to sink. Because this fisherman knows you can't walk physically on water, can you? How quickly things change. When he stops thinking about what could be with Jesus and he starts to think about what he could do. How quickly our lives change around, friends, when we stop focusing on the Lord and we start concentrating on what we know. He knew that this storm could be a threat to life. As for walking on water, well, he knew nothing about that save that Jesus had said, come. How does that work? He didn't know. And so to walk on water, he has to suspend what he knows and acknowledge that it's who he knows that's key. Because Jesus knows how to walk on water. After all, this is the one that calmed the storm and produced order out of chaos. Friends, this morning it's really simple. No matter what way it is in your life, everyone here that knows and loves the Lord Jesus Christ is being called to walk on water. You are being called to do that this morning. I don't know how, and I don't know what it looks like in your life. I genuinely don't, but I want to say this to you. If you hear the Lord say, come, go, you will water well. That's why I'm confident. That's why I said we're all going to walk on water. You don't look convinced. But the real good news is you don't have to be convinced by me because you know Jesus Christ. And he's the one that says come. Whatever that looks like for you this morning, you're going to walk on water. And all you have to do is suspend what you know and accept what Jesus knows. Because he knows more. Oh, and by the by, when Jesus says, come, and Peter goes out on the lake, do you know what Peter discovered? This is amazing. This is awesome, right? If you've never seen the story this way around, I encourage you to see it this way around. 
what Peter found out was that Jesus always told the truth. Because Jesus, Lord, if it is you, call me and I'll come and walk on water. And Jesus says, come. And Jesus was telling the truth. It was him. And because Jesus is truth, the reality is when he says you're going to walk on water, you will walk on water. That's what Peter discovered that day. That Jesus always, always told the truth. If he's calling you this morning, he's speaking to you in truth. Because it's not about us. It's all about the grace of Jesus Christ. Walking on water is simple. If you want good news from this morning, that's one piece of it. The second is, Jesus brings order out of chaos. And walking on water is not about us. It's about him and his grace. Minehead Baptist Church, here's the truth. Well, I told you this last week. I'm going to repeat it with another bit. You may have gathered over the summer this is building up. But here is the truth, Minehead Baptist Church. Only if you and I come together and ground our lives firmly on the rock that is Jesus Christ, on his truth and on his ways, will the walls of this church come tumbling down, literally and figuratively possibly, and will we be able to digest spiritual food? And for that matter, only when we stand on his truth can we stand together against the lies and the work of the enemies. And when you stand and I stand together, you help me, inspire me, and show me an example of how to live as Jesus. And I, hopefully, praise God, help you too. And we need to simply get out of the boat and walk on water. And all we need to do to do that... Here's the secret. We need to take the focus off of ourselves and put our focus on him. It is that simple. And if you do that, can you imagine a church that walls are down, that people are focused on the grace and truth of Jesus Christ and we're walking in that? Can you imagine for one minute the effect that would have on this community? We talk about changing the community, yet we don't want to get out of the boat. It stops now, I'm going to invite you in a while to climb out the boat with me. And as he walks on water, all people, Peter needs to do to be safe, to overcome any of his worries or his doubts or his anxieties or his fears, is to keep concentrating on Jesus, keep listening to him, and with every deference to Pat and to Debbie, who earlier on, thank you for doing the waves for us, incidentally, I have to say I was... Fairly, I'm not sure whether I should be pleased or upset that you tried to drown a child, but apart from, but apart from that, but apart from that reality, we're very deference to that. If Peter had kept his eyes on Jesus, he wouldn't have just walked on water; he'd have danced on it. And that's the difference Jesus makes when you face the storms in your life. And let's be honest: we all have storms. So if this moment you face a storm in your life, I'd love you to hear these words of grace. God is still God, even when it doesn't feel like it. Jesus Christ is still Jesus Christ, even when it doesn't feel like it. He is in control and he can literally calm the forces of chaos and bring you peace. This morning for some of us, Getting out of the boat involves letting go. It involves letting the Lord form peace out of chaos. Unless we forget, Peter walks on water. Only when he takes his focus away from Jesus that he begins to get filled with panic, that he's actually challenged in fear to walk on water. And yet, if you think of that story of Jesus calming the storm, Jesus is asleep. The disciples are gripped with fear. And Mark says that they woke Jesus saying, don't you care if we drown? Living in fear keeps us from truly experiencing all the Lord has in stores us, robs us of delights, causes us to focus on the negative. 
causes a lot of intimacy between ourselves and God. And let's be honest, if we're fearful, we become cut off. It's fear that limits hopes, dreams and callings. And since the ultimate aim of the enemy is to stop you and I doing amazing things for the Lord, including walking on water, fear is not of God. Friends, I have to tell you, this week the Lord's been amazing. Absolutely amazing. As we have thought, as I have pondered, what next, Lord? What now that Mark's gone? What do we do now? How does that ministry, what does ministry look like? By the time we come to the church meeting, I want to let you know, it's this week that the Lord's been amazing. Down to the minute. Amazing. And hopefully, praise God, we'll go on that, we'll do that together. But in all my worries and all my doubts and all my thoughts of what next, Lord, it is the Lord that has cut through and the Lord that has said, I am in control. The Lord is in control. The storm will pass and he will produce peace out of chaos. And I say that because fear is not of the Lord. So if this morning you have fear, please hear this correctly. Fear is not from God. If you're going to think about water walking, let's go do it. But let's recognize that any fear you have is not of him in the first place. And in a moment, when we come to decide whether we water walk or not, maybe you need to just let go of fear. Because according to John, 1 John 4, 17 and 18, this is how we love. This is how, sorry, love is made complete among us. So that we will have confidence on the day of this judgment that we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The Lord did not come to punish you. He came to save you. And the truth of the matter is, if you are fearful this morning, it is not of him. And today is the day to hand the fear over and to deal with it once and for all. And quite frankly, church, with every kind of apology to Steve... If we are dealing with fear to the extent that by four o'clock we're still dealing with fear, we're going to keep on going and going and going. And I know my brother would welcome that and will particularly join in that reality. See what love does? It drives out fear. It doesn't just deal with it. It doesn't just overcome it. It drives it out. I want to go Walter walking. What about you? And I want to say to the Lord that says to those in the boat, through his actions of calming the storm, creating peace out of chaos, I want to say, Lord, come to this awesome world of ours, which I believe, lest you disagree, that's fine, as I look around a world full of chaos and say the world needs your peace and your order, Lord. I see that world full of chaos and fear. Have you ever found that? fear I had a Victorian grandmother literally a grandmother that grew up in the Victorian era um, and I remember saying to her once Nan why don't you lock your door it was in the mid late probably in the early 70s and I was 7 or 8 or, but why don't you lock your door and she said this well I'm not fearful of the neighbours what do you think they're going to do come and rob me what do you mean Nan what do you mean? Surely you lock your door. Nah, nah, never done it in my life. Not going to start now. When I asked her why, she said, well, if I forget my keys, I can always get back in. <laughs> but the reality is, she wasn't fearful of her neighbour. What about you? I wonder what your relationship with your neighbour's like. Or for that matter, our neighbours around the world. What's stopping you? If you think of someone that you really, really, really want to bring to the Lord, can you imagine that person in your heart and in your life, in your mind? Imagine them. What's stopping you going and telling them about the Lord? Fear. Fear of what they'll say. Enough. Fear does not come from the Lord, but from the enemy. And we need to change that. So how do we stop fearing? Scripture's really simple. It says we must choose to trust him and not fear. Want to know how it says that? Simply, in Jesus' own words, Matthew 6, verse 10, Jesus says, Thy will be done. 
God's will. We choose God's will, God's way, and we choose to trust him and not fear. And that's what I want to do this morning. How about you? It's a gold standard, but we're all called to it. 366 times in scripture, we're told, do not be afraid. That's one for every day of the year and another one for the leap year. 366 times daily the Lord says to us, do not be afraid. I wonder what you're most afraid of. What most worries you. God longs for us to say, thy will be done and to trust him. Now as I'm writing this, I thought I'd share something with you to tell you a bit about me. As I'm writing this, for some reason, out of my head, I cannot get this tune. Lorraine recognised where it was from straight away. Let's see if you do, right? I couldn't get this tune out of my head. (laughs) Oh, there's some over there singing it. Hallelujah. (laughs) Any dream will do. Yeah, absolutely. Comes from Joseph and his amazing technicolored what's name? Dream coat. And I thought, why, Lord? Why are you showing me that? What on earth is that about? And so I went to Genesis 39 because that's the sort of person I am. And I read again the story of Joseph. And in Genesis 39, we find Joseph in Egypt, in a foreign land. At this point in the story, he thinks he's earned the respect to one of the most powerful people in the land. And then along comes a lie. And it could destroy him. It could make him fear. It can make him crumble at the challenge. But Joseph, it seems to me, remembers one thing, even though it's not said in the story. This same God that had held him safely all this time was here for him in this moment, here and now. His father God was with Joseph. And Joseph knew that no matter what would follow, and of course what would follow was prison, that he was safe in God's arms and secure. And loved by God. God longs for you and me to trust him that much. So dear church. Do you want to come water walking? Oh you're not sure. You'll have seen there's a paddling pool outside. We're going to practice. No we're not. That's the youngsters. Okay they're going to use that later. But I want to water walk with you. I want to do awesome with you. I want to do amazing with you. But the challenge is if it's just me it ain't us. I ask you again. Do you want to come water walking? If you want to walk on water you've got to get out of the boat. And we need to do that individually and collectively. And that means we've got to concentrate on Jesus. The one, the only one. Who can calm the wind and the waves? The only one who can make order out of chaos, peace out of disturbance, the Alpha and the Omega. So I want to pray for you today. This is my prayer over you. I pray, Lord, that as my friend says, thy will be done. You will take away their fear, their anxiety, and replace them with love and faith that grows. I pray, Lord, for my friend, that you will make order out of chaos. I pray, for Lord, for my friend, that as they and I walk on water, that you will call us on to do even greater things. I pray, Lord, for my friend... That today, they and I, whilst facing challenges and conquering fears, will do wonderful things in your name. As we simply let go of ourselves and focus our attention on you. And Lord, I pray for my friend that they and I may do wonderful things in your name. Yes, Lord. But more than that, that all that we do, all that we say, All that we proclaim and all that we are may solely be for your honour and your glory. I pray, Lord, today for my friend 
that we may let go of fear, hold on to love. I pray for my friend that you, Lord, would speak into their heart, prompt them, challenge them, change them, direct them. I pray, Lord, for my friend. And in the use of that word friend, I acknowledge that we are family together. Build this church family, I pray, to your glory, to your honour, and for your benefit, now and forever, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So as you can see, over the last few weeks, we've been building Seaside. Uh, Hilary, I know Lorraine says she'll clear up, but I suspect there may be a, bit, a few bits to leave. Sorry about that. Is that okay? And just in case you're wondering what I'm doing online, go look before this about what we did with the children. I'm just apologising to the lady that has to clean up after me. And just saying thank you. We've built our seaside here at the church. We're building it over these few weeks. And if you've been observant, you'll discover there's a new sign. A sign just there. It says, caution, choppy waters ahead. Jesus, you know, never promises us that we won't have choppy waters and choppy moments in our life. He didn't promise that at all. So we do need to take that word caution seriously. But we all have a chance to get ready for any choppy waters. And we all have a responsibility as Christians to let the Lord take control. Now, when you got to church this morning, you were given a blank piece of paper, weren't you? Hopefully. If you're wondering why they're so lovely, how they're brilliantly cut, it's because I did them. <laughs> okay, so I'm bigging myself up a bit. If you grab hold of your bit of paper. See, here's the deal. Each of us, every single one of us, needs to bring something to the Lord this morning. We need to give him something. Something that might stop us getting out of the boat, might stop us walking on water. Something that we're fearful for. Something that's chaotic in our lives. Something we need peace over. Something. And each of us is unique. Did you know you're all not the same as me? Hallelujah. <laughs> Whoever it was said, Amen. Thank you, brother. <laughs> you're unique. I'm unique. And therefore, what stops you from walking on water, what stops you from giving everything to God, what stops you from letting him create peace out of the chaos, is different to you than it is to me. And it is therefore impossible to write anything on a piece of paper that has any meaning. But all of us can do something simple yet profound this morning. We can all simply write on that piece of paper what is stopping us or what we're fearful of, or what we're anxious about, or what worries us. And then I'm going to ask you to do that and to screw the paper up so tightly that no one can see what you've written. Well, that means, dear friends, here's the deal. You could write an essay if you want. Mind you, we, but you, get, you could write as much as you want, or you can write nothing at all. And no one will ever know, except you and God. And then what we're going to do is collect the pieces of paper up. Okay, there's some pens here, we're going to write that in a minute. And later on, once the youngsters have brought us back, Lorraine is literally simply going to put them through that ring on the bottom of our sign. It's a life ring, and it says, thy will be done. It's a simple act of visual worship, but in reality, a quite profound one. Because it's a transaction between you and God that will place you in his hands I'm going to take all those bits of paper and I am going to destroy them without anyone including me ever seeing what you wrote that's the deal so please do me a favour do not put your name on the bit of paper it's not needed it's between you and God and God knows who you are I'm going to invite you to do that now, to ponder that in a moment of prayer and then in a moment of reflection. There are some pens on the stage. Um, could you do me a favour, Debbie? Could you?
kind of hand. Anyone wants a pen? There's some pens over there and there's some pens over there. And he's coming round at the back with pens too. And as we do this, let's just simply give this time to God. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you would speak to each of us individually, that collectively, Lord, we would simply acknowledge you, Lord and Saviour, friend, companion, God, the one who brings order out of chaos, peace from the midst of disruption, the one that says, come water walk, the one who called Peter out on the water, the one who saved him when he was drowning. And we come to you, and in acknowledging all that we have and all that we are, and in writing on this piece of paper what you have prompted us to write, we acknowledge the divine exchange. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Roy and the group are going to lead us in a song as we do this. Um, we're going to slightly alter the, the order, Simon, if that's okay. A song that talks about the reality that no matter what, God is still God. We're going to sing two, three times through who knows how long, how often. Be still and know that I am God. Friends, we've got a present for you. This morning in giving, in saying thy will be done, it's divine exchange. So for each of you on the way out, we have one little card like this. Okay, with our little man on it. It says, caution, choppy waters ahead. And at the bottom, it says what you have done. It says, I will trust Jesus when he calls, I will walk on water. It's yours. It's a bookmark for your Bible or for whatever book you're reading. But we want to give you a present to say divine exchange means it has been done. It's good to bless each other. But before we do, the youngsters have been doing something, haven't they? So, just to let you know, if your child goes home and you find paint between their feet, please remember, ring the manse and ask for Lorraine. See, when you do things as a church family, God honours that dramatically, doesn't he? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be yours now and forevermore. And with those you love, you know, you fellowship with and you meet. In Jesus' name, amen.
but we're going to finish with one act of worship, which does involve our offering, I believe, Roy. This is Roy. true. That's a, is in that case right? the stewards are again worried, we'll take up our offering as we sing our final song. Thank you. It's an act of worship that says we will walk on water because we trust in Christ alone. To leave a comment, please go to minehead-baptist.com slash sermons. Well, thank you once again for listening, and I'll speak to you soon.